Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Monday, August 31st. I'm Wayne Pratt. A St. Louis Metropolitan Police officer has died after being shot over the weekend. A person is in custody after that shooting on Saturday. Also today, many owners of local music venues say they can't reopen safely after coronavirus-related shutdowns. Others are experimenting with ways to bring live music back and getting encouraging results. Just to be playing music and, and see other people, you know, from, even from a distance, it's, it's just good to be amongst other souls and spirits. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports on the state of live music during a pandemic. A St. Louis police officer shot in the head while responding to a call Saturday has died. St. Louis Public Radio's Ryan Delaney reports. Officer Tamaris Bohannon had three and a half years of service on the force. He died Sunday evening at the age of 29. His family says in a statement he was a hero to his wife and three children, among many others. Bohannon was responding to a call Saturday evening for someone being shot near the intersection of Hartford Street and South Grand Boulevard when he was shot in the head. A second officer was shot in the leg trying to assist Bohannon. The alleged shooter, that 43-year-old man, was arrested in the early hours of Sunday morning after a standoff with police. I'm Ryan Delaney, St. Louis Public Radio. Public school administrators are receiving a better picture of the coronavirus pandemic, but there's still no magic number for when it will be safe to widely reopen schools. School Collaborative Ed Plus worked with public health officials to design a guide that will be regularly updated. But Ed Plus's Paul Ziegler says they're still struggling to know what it all means. It's exhausting to try and keep track of all the different pieces to make decisions about when and, and how to bring kids back best. Schools in St. Charles and Jefferson counties are currently open to some students, while most St. Louis County schools are closed. But the rate of positive cases is near or above 10 percent across all three counties. Public health officials say they are working with educators to develop benchmarks. A group of lawmakers is investigating the possibility of universal preschool in Illinois. State Representative Anna Moeller, a Democrat, is leading a group of women lawmakers looking at covering preschool for all. She says early childhood education can have a lasting impact. We think it's very important that all children, regardless of where they live, have access to high-quality pre-K. A good early learning experience is very important in a person's development and can increase the chances of of, um, healthy and happy outcomes in in, in a person's life. During the mid-2000s, Illinois became a leader in providing early childhood education programs, but that effort eroded over the years because of funding cuts. Early childhood education in the state received a funding boost in the last fiscal year. The Republican candidate for St. Louis County Executive is hoping to break his party's losing streak for countywide offices. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more from Paul Barry III's appearance on our Politically Speaking podcast. Republicans have lost every race for county executive for the past 30 years. That's because St. Louis County is becoming solidly Democratic, especially in statewide and national elections. Barry believes he can break through because people are upset over St. Louis County Executive Sam Page's administration. He's disagreed with many of Page's choices when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. We're not a jurisdiction of a thousand people. 
when you have a million people under your charge, you have to almost think ahead as if you're a nation state. You know, there's countries with a million and less people. More people have either been diagnosed with or died from COVID-19 than any other place in Missouri. I'm Jason Marzenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. You can listen to that episode of Politically Speaking at stlpublicradio.org. Music venues were among the businesses hit hardest by coronavirus-related shutdowns. Health regulations in the St. Louis region are allowing those locations to reopen, but there are new safety requirements and limits on crowd size, and music lovers are wary of returning to live events. Venue owners and concert promoters are struggling to decide if it makes financial sense to reopen yet and if they can afford not to. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports. At 5.30 p.m. on a sunny Friday, 30 people are gathered under a tent in a Grand Center parking lot. They're here for something that used to be a nightly occurrence in the club next door, a live concert. If anybody here didn't get the idea from the temperature check at the door and the spaced out tables, the pre-show announcements make clear that this is the pandemic era version of a show. If you're up from your table, if you're anywhere besides seated in your seat, eating and drinking, we ask that you please keep your mask on at all times. This event is part of a recently launched outdoor concert series co-presented by Kranzberg Arts Foundation's club The Dark Room and Jazz St. Louis. Health experts say the coronavirus spreads less easily outside. For keyboardist and band leader Ryan Marquez, this is his first time playing in front of an audience since venues shut down in March. Just to be playing music and, and see other people, you know, from, even from a distance, it's, it's just good to be amongst other souls and spirits. Kranzberg Arts Foundation Executive Director Chris Hansen says the new safety procedures work but put a strain on the staff. The challenge? To work as a team while socially distancing. You can't touch the same tools. You can't touch the same side of the table. Every time you go to a table and you drop one thing off and go back, you got to change your glove. Disinfect, wash your hands, put a new glove on. But smaller for-profit clubs can't all afford such a rigorous reinvention of their operations. Off-Broadway is a rock club south of Cherokee Street that can usually hold about 300 people. Owner Steve Pullman says that with proper social distancing, he could fit about 60. And if he held events for an audience of 60? We'd lose money every night. <laughs> At Pop's nightclub and music venue in Sajay, Illinois, manager Ryan Kelly says he could follow safety requirements and make a profit. But Pop's is known for its late-night party scene. And Kelly says he can't keep things safe and provide the casual environment his patrons want. Even to put a small fraction of our people in here, make them sit at a table by reservation only, and it, it wouldn't even be worth opening and nobody would have any fun. Performers also say it's a balancing act between making a living and staying safe. John Harrington of the Midwest Avengers has been performing hip-hop and throwing hip-hop events in St. Louis for more than 25 years. He advises musicians who don't depend on money from live shows to stay home. I don't want to go out and get sick and bring it home and get my son sick and maybe one of us die. I say people should make their own decision because they're adults, but I'm afraid that rushing back in it all just for the sake of it is gonna hurt the scene. Still, some music venues are finding ways to make it work. Before the pandemic, the Monocle in the Grove featured a mix of entertainment. Cabaret singers, magic acts, burlesque, when co-owner Kyle Husted shut it down in March, he wasn't sure 
how to adapt to the times. Burlesque isn't something we can really do curbside. <laughs> how do we navigate the future of this? You know, so I had some, uh, had some really tough nights there. A lot of sleepless nights. Husted tore up the Monocle's indoor performance space and moved it to a newly expanded patio. But cabaret acts don't always translate so well outdoors, so he's shifted his emphasis to booking more bands. A change of programming doesn't work everywhere, though. Take the Cigar Inn Jazz Club in Belleville. I'm a jazz bar. You know, that's the core of it. You know, live entertainment, live jazz. I mean, that's, that's what we do. That's owner Chuck Hess. He reopened in late June and still books small jazz groups. The Powerplex Youth Sports Complex in Hazelwood hosted drive-in movies and concerts over the summer. Managing partner Dan Buck says he's looking at another event series this fall. The point is to keep people employed and for a few hours a night to fill an absence that so many of us are feeling these days. We need to stay human during this process and part of humanity is being interactive and social and you know interact with what we love movies and music and sports and and that's what we're trying to provide most of the region's signature music venues do remain closed and even those that have found a temporary solution by moving things outside face another looming threat the arrival of winter i'm jeremy goodwin st louis public radio Our David Casares edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.